What's going hey. on, Troy? Hello, sir. How you doing? I'm awesome. Appreciate you for uh, taking the time out for this. And thanks for a lot of people me. have been a lot of people have been asking for Troy Taylor to no get on way. here. Interviewing everyone, so no, they have got to get asking. the. Go Let's see how many people come in here. Then. Wait, we're relying on your followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, dang it, John Taylor just hit me. I just, I think I just told him you were here. Ah, uh, well. Oh, anyway, John Taylor. Yeah. How you doing? Well, Matt, well, I appreciate you for taking the time out for this. A lot of people, I just saw a comment that came through and said. I just looked at Troy Taylor's resume, and I had no idea that he's been in the game for this long. So I think this will be a great opportunity. Years. Yeah, this will be a great opportunity years. for people to see what you've done and what you have coming up, because you have a lot. Um, I want to start off, first of all, I, I like to ask this to every artist, producer, or writer that gets on here. Um, who was the first person that you worked with or you saw work or listened to that made you say, I got to get to that level. Like that's the level right there. Quincy Jones. Mm. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> what, that's it. <laughs> was there, was there a project in particular? Quincy Jones, just period. Yeah. <laughs> Quincy, Quincy Jones, the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just all that he's done. He's yeah. worked in every genre of music, period. Mm-hmm. So, Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to get started on your career. A lot of people know, a lot of people might not know that you actually started out as an artist. Mm -hmm. Things kind of took a turn. And uh, here you are now as a legendary producer, songwriter. But in the very beginning, one of your earlier placements is with Boys to Men. And you've told this story a million times, but I love this story of just how it was almost like an accidental placement on how that song ended up on the first Boys to Men album. Right, right. This, this, you mean the song that was supposed to be my for my album? Yeah. Until I heard them sing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like after hearing them kids sing, it was like you can have any song you want. I don't care. Take it. No, nah, that was that was that's still one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, but they were actually my first professional group to I mean uh, artists period like I had done like little things here and there to like make money and stuff I moved to New York but that was the first professional signed artist that I worked with right and what song was that was that little things or was that your love your love was the one that was supposed to be for my album mm. and then they sang and it was like the end uh Sean <laughs> Sean happens to be uh my one of my favorite vocalists of my whole career like right. and that started when he was 16 his voice is so amazing and even now like we've talked about you know getting together and doing some music his voice is gold so right. at 16 i i let him sing little things totally himself mm. wow but i so, love the voice yeah. that much yeah absolutely take me back to that era because like in in today's time we have so much information available to us about you know, the industry, some of the bad contracts that take place just because yeah. we've seen from you guys and you guys have experienced those bad contracts. But take me back to the, that time. You know, that was your first professional placement. Like, what was that check like? I'm sorry. Check for what? Oh, you talking about Boys and Men? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about when I got signed as an artist. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> there was no check. <laughs> um, um, that, that was different because... I started off, the difference between now and then, before yeah. I even had a hit or whatever, 
I was I started off at ten grand a record. Mm, and then 15 wow. and then 20 and then 25 so wow. um now oh Troy, we don't have the budget could you do it for five grand and that is because yep. a lot of the kids on youtube are selling their beats for 30 and 50 and 100 dollars here and and it's destroying the mm -hmm. worth the value of good music right so, and it's a hustle, I guess it's their hustle, so I can't knock it, but right. when I char try to charge what I normally get, it's like, well, the kids are charging, and we just had this hot beat off of YouTube, and he only charged me, you know what I'm saying? So, it sucks, but yep. <laughs> I do what I got to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to fast forward a little bit to the work that you did on 702's debut, because your work on there is like... It was something else. Like, you got all the members to sing on that album, and they all sound great on there. Like, kind of take me through the approach with that album and your mentality with that album. So, Todd Rusaw, who was the uh, A&R, he knew, he, he already knew how I worked, you know, of course, with Boys to Men. Um, because I, I did four songs for that album. Only two ended up going on that album. So, yeah. I always had the group, all the guys singing. So Todd knew that because it was, you know, Biv 10. And um, so he knew that if there's anybody who's going to uh, get all three of the girls to sing, it's me. And they could sing. It's just that everybody gravitated towards Mila. So right from the top, my assignment was to get all the girls to sing. So right. that wasn't a problem. Um, they still got, they all got yelled at the same. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was on tape. That wasn't, that wasn't Pro Tools. So... Mm. There was no auto-tune. There was no nudging to the left and kick, kick, kick to the right and copy-paste. No. You had to sing right. right, period. The end. Right. So, <laughs> and then they were still in school. So by the time they got to me, it was like, oh, Troy, we only have a day to do three songs. You know what I mean? It was like a lot of pressure. So right. um, they got yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, where where does that come? Where does that come from? Like I've spoken to Carl Thomas, Kevin Ross, Jonte. They know you're a harsh vocal critic, but you just harsh like, might where does be that a little come harsh. From? All right, they harsh. Honest. Um, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Yeah. You're asking the world to invest their hard earned money and their time and their attention to you. As an artist, the least you could do is sound the best you can. Mm -hmm. See, the kids now is just like, oh, it's just fine. I'll put some auto-tune on it. My thing is, if you're going to perform, if you're going to sing a song, sing it to move people, not to just right. get it done. And so when you have a Carl Thomas, an early, early stage Carl Thomas, right. who just came out of church and sings everything churchy, Everything Carl did was churchy. And I'm like, mm. Carl, this is not church. This is R&B. And so that's <laughs> why I was the hardest on him, because he had to prove to me that he could do R&B music. And so mm. every time he would sing something gospel or do a run, gospel run, it was like he got yelled at. So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm just a, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm a realist. Because right. you really want people to be moved by your vocals. Right. Well, 
at what point did you start trusting your instincts? Because, I mean, your opinion is just one opinion, and it usually turns out to be the right opinion. But, like, when did you start trusting your instincts to recognize, I have a talent for this? I, You know what? When I was doing it at home in New Haven, and yeah. the kid, and kids would come to my house, and I would produce them, I didn't know that what I was doing was what you're supposed to do. Mm. I just knew they weren't singing it right. right. So when I got professional... And I, like take Boys the Men, for example. Yeah. Um, hearing them sing a cappella was one thing, but they had never recorded when I worked with them. So when I got yeah. into the studio and I started hearing them mess my song up, <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now we have a situation. It's like, oh, wait, the song, it don't, wait, it don't go that, wait, you're flat. Wait, you're yeah. sharp, wait. Because um, at that time, listen, at that time, I thought any group, anybody who got signed, didn't need to be told how to mm. sing. Yeah. So so when I'm seeing them, hearing them mess my song up, and when I say mess up, I just mean, you know, they were kids, so it, it was just not like how the melody goes or whatever, or they were flat. Um, I'm like looking at, you guys are signed. You're, you're not supposed to sound like that. You're supposed to be, <laughs> I'm not, why am I telling you how to sing? You guys know how to sing already, so when they start like not doing a song right, then it's like, uh-uh, no, you're not, not messing up my song. So that's when it began to, to, to really kick in to say, okay, people need guidance no matter what. Mm -hmm. They need to be guided. And so that's when I began to realize you can be a dope singer, but if you don't know how to sing, yeah, that, that went over your head. Right. <laughs> you can be a dope singer, but if you don't know how to really sing, it means nothing. Right. And... At one point, you told the great Stevie Wonder that he was flat on a song. Mm, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like Stevie Wonder is like one of my top. He's in my top five. Um, but he came, Johnny Gill. I was doing a song for Johnny Gill, and he, Johnny, came up with this idea of having Stevie Wonder do the backgrounds that I did because I did the backgrounds initially. And so I was like, oh, you could get Stevie. I mean, I knew they were yeah. friends, but I'm like, you can get him to come and do this. So, of course, Stevie took two hours, three hours. Yeah, about three hours. But anyway, when he finally came in, um, I let him hear the parts. And so mm. I broke it down. And so we started with the melody. And then um, he kind of put his little spin on it. But I was like, you know you're going to have to harmonize with that, Stevie. Because he did it, and he did it fancy. So mm. he was like, uh, I, th I think I can manage. I was like, okay, all right, you know. <laughs> So he did the next harmony, he killed it. And then he did another harmony, killed it. Then he did the fourth harmony, and he did something that was a little off. It was like, mm. it went off, it went off key. So um, he finished and he was like, okay, what's next? I was like, oh no, I need you to do that, that part again. He said, right. what, was, what was wrong with it? I said, you were flat. He said, ah, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you were, you were flat. And so everybody in the room is looking at me, and my ex-partner at the time is, like, looking at me like, like, wow, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I turned around, and I looked at everybody. I'm like, what? So, no, he was flat. He's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, uh, excuse me, engineer, could you rewind it back? Wow. I played it, <laughs> and when it came on, he's like, <laughs> okay, 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 you got me. And I looked, I turned back at everybody else and I'm like, don't ever, 
Like I gave wow. her like, don't ever, no, don't ever doubt me again. When it comes to this, <laughs> no. And Stevie did it over and he did it and he killed it, but he acknowledged it was flat. I'm like, I don't make this up. What am I gonna make a flat note up for, for Stevie Wonder <laughs> for? No, he was flat, period. Like Stevie can go flat. Like, I don't care, you know, you're human. So that was a good story too. I don't tell that story often. Right. I love that story. But, you know, with every artist, they're going to handle that criti criticism differently. Have you learned throughout the years that some can take it, some might yeah. not be able to, or is it when, a one-size-fits-all? <laughs> when people started to, when I started hearing that people were scared of me, I started getting back, you know, feedback that, you know, it went from, oh, no, <laughs> no, nah, man, I heard about you, man. You ain't no joke. Okay. That was <laughs> one. And then it was like, uh, well, we're trying to, uh, they heard the song, they heard the song, and they really liked the song. Um, they're just a little bit uh, apprehensive about it. I was like, why? Because they kind of like heard how you are in the studio. And so they kind of, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> so it started working against me. So I had to kind of like lighten up a little bit. And I did curse back then. I don't curse now. So I was mm. pretty harsh. It, har yeah, yeah, harsh is a, Harsh, I guess, is the word. Now that I remember that I did curse, so harsh would be the best word. So I had to soften up. I had gotten married, gotten to church, had my son. So I kind of like, and then had my studio in my basement. So I kind of like calmed down a little bit and uh, started. I, I still wasn't, I still was very stern. I just didn't right. curse. Um, I didn't yell as much. And so that's when I realized it's like, my the the outcome of the record was still the same, mm. but the approach was a little bit too much for people. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one of the biggest records that you did, and I want to shout out this song because you worked with Jonte really early on. Mm -hmm. You know, and you really helped groom him and mentor him as not only an artist but a songwriter. You guys do "Sweet Lady" together. I guess first talk about your history with Jonte, and then as well as leading up to that record. Okay, so. At that time, we were working. He was signed to RCA, and he had gotten dropped. And so um, the president and the A&R, the president got fired. So when the president gets fired, the A&R under him, who worked for him, gets fired mm -hmm. too. And that, Jante was their artist. So, of course, Jante had to get dropped because the new president and a new A&R came in with their kid who helped, so happened to be around the same age as Jante. So right. after some time, maybe a half of a year, like six months, seven months later, uh, the A&R, Anthony Morgan, came to the studio, came to my studio. And I lived in New right. York at the time. Well, I, my studio was in New York. So he came and asked me if I could play him stuff for their kid. Right. And at that time, it was like, no, nah, you just dropped my brother. No. <laughs> I'm not helping you. Well, why would I do mm -hmm. that? Like, yeah. Then I had a studio on 23rd Street in New York. If you know anything about New York on 23rd Street, that is a very expensive area. So right. bills have to get paid. Um, so I sat and took the meeting anyway, went through some songs, some old stuff that I hadn't heard in a while, just scamming through stuff. And right. he heard he heard a bit of Sweet Lady. Yeah. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, no, I never finished it. That song is like, oh, he's like, no, 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 play it. And it was just, uh, it was just the um, track and the hook. 
Mm. And so he's like, nah, man, finish that. I was like, mm, are you sure? He's like, nah, I'm telling you, finish that. Right. And so he left. When he left, I sat there for a while. I was still a little bit like apprehensive. I really didn't, I didn't want to do it, but then it hit me. And I was like, ooh. Jante. <laughs> so Jante was in, a, he was in, he was out here actually in Atlanta at the yeah. time. And so the first thing when he picks up the phone, I said, if you're smart, you do it. If you're not smart, you won't. <laughs> and he was like, what? what? What does that mean? I was like, if you're smart, you'll do what I tell you to do. If mm. you're not smart, you won't. Right. And he was like, okay, all right, what are you, all right, what are you talking about? I said, I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you a song over the phone. I'm going to need verses. Mm. I said, if you want to know how to get your replacement back, blow them up. Mm. So he's, I'm still talking in riddles to him. He's only 15. So <laughs> it was like, what? I don't understand. Ugh. Anyway, I said, I'm going to play you. I just need verses. Now, when you do these verses, I need them to be a conversation. Because at right. that time, he was, no, actually, he was, how old was he? Yeah, no, he was 15. So, so um, at that time, no, he was 17. Oh, Troy, get it right. Anyway, he was a 17. Maybe he was 17. I don't know. Um, at that time, he was really, really into R. Kelly. And mm. so he was, a lot of his cadences was like R. Kelly. So I, I knew he would use a lot of words. So I didn't want him to use a lot of words. So I said, okay, Jante had a very good memory. So I played it for him over the phone, the music and the hook. And so he hung up and then maybe about half an hour later, he called me back. And he sang some some verses over the phone. Right. So it was too much words. I was like, John, say no, that's too much. <laughs> like, no, I need it to be simple. So he said, okay, cool. Hung up. About maybe an hour later, he called me back. New verses. It's like, no, it's too wow. much. It's too many words. Like, I want it to be a conversation to where if I said the words verbatim, you wouldn't know it was a song. Mm. So he was like, okay. So I went to go get something to eat. I came back. He called me. We didn't have the, the luxurious cell phones and iPhones and all that. So this was answering machine. This was, this was singing on the answering machine kind of thing. So yeah. um, he said, I got it. I said, okay. And it was like, remember I said, I wanted it to be a conversation. So it was like, now any other day, I play it cool. Mm -hmm. But I can't now. Because right. I want you. See, I'm hooked on how you flex your style. And I want to talk for a little while. I, mm. I never really met your type. But, but I must admit I, that I kind of like. So maybe if you have the time, wow. you can talk <laughs> about you being my sweet lady. So that's the exact lyric. Wow. Not at it, not taken away, but it's a conversation. So that's what I wanted. So he left it on my answer machine. He did a second verse, left it on my answer machine. I, I sang the demo, which nobody will ever hear in this world. But you do hear my background vocals. So, right. um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's, how it, yeah, that's how it came out. So he ended up blowing his, his replacement up. Wow. And then, you know, you guys transition to the new millennium, 2000 comes along. And I got to give you props 
for these records because I don't think people talk about these ones. The songs that you did for Marcus Houston, especially Can I Call Ooh. You with Jonte? Those were that record for Jonte. That was supposed wow. to be Jonte's record. Um, wow. And I was like, yo, Mar they asked me for some records for Marcus Houston. What do you think about Can I Call You? And he was like, hey, let's do it. So, yeah. That wow. was supposed to be for Jonte. Because that one feels very like Michael Jackson. That, that was the whole Not point. Uh, can't help yeah. it. Uh, yeah. I, Michael Jackson, I can't help it. Wow. Yeah. Love that record. And then, you know, as you transition into the 2000s, you know, you have younger acts coming in. You do work with B2K. Mm -hmm. You're working on the Pretty Ricky first album as well. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, these guys are in their teens. Um, how do you kind of mentor these guys vocally? Because maybe they're not as developed at that point. They're not. Hopefully. They're not. Yeah. And Omarion, um, Omarion, he could sing, but yeah. he wasn't singing the correct way, using mm. his throat a lot. You know what I mean? Like, and blown, like kind of like singing through his throat and kind of blowing his voice out a lot. And he would be hoarse. Mm. Um, and it, so it was. It was more so not singing the correct way. Right. Um, Pretty Ricky, well, Pleasure P at the time, he was like a strong singer, like, you know, like, but at the same time, not as controlled. Mm. So people, by this time in the music industry, people knew when it comes to the vocals, um, I'm going to get them right. So, right. you know, I make sure that they sound good. So I became more so that right. as well as producing, but I would fix other people's records as well. Love it. Now, talk about working with these younger guys, and I, I don't know what it was like for Omarion and Pleasure P, but young people, they don't like taking criticism. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get it through their head? <laughs> well, Omarion Omarion was always cool, and Pleasure yeah. P were cool. They were cool. They, see, yeah. that's a different generation than now, than Osiris. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not Osiris. Osiris is a whole another planet. Like, right. Anyway, um, but not nah, Omarion was really cool. Pleasure P was cool. They took instruction. They listened. They didn't. I didn't get. I didn't yell at them. I didn't yell at Omarion. I didn't yell at Pleasure P. I didn't have to. Yeah. Right. So nice. They were cool. And Janae yeah. was at that time too. She was around too. She yeah. Like thirteen, yeah. fourteen. Yep. Yeah. That was a that was a fun that was a fun time. But yeah. let me ask you, you know, because one of the artists that you did discover and develop. The whole nine was Trey Songs. Did you yell at Trey Songs? <laughs> no, I didn't have to. Really? Trey Trey Songs was the only artist that I worked with that did exactly, exactly what I said. No matter wow. what. If I said do it over, he did it. If I said it was good, it was good. If I said you could do better, he did better. It, no matter what I said, I never had to repeat. I never had to try to convince him. I never mm -hmm. had to pull. He was like on it. So... He's the only artist that I worked with at that time that actually listened to everything I said. Right. That's dope. Well, let's quickly go through uh, Trey Song's discography here because you did work on the majority of them, especially yeah. the early developments of Trey. And I feel like I want to go to his debut album because I feel like when we look back at this album, it didn't sell the numbers that maybe some of his other albums did. But I felt like there's a lot of potential there are a lot of strong records he sounds great vocally you guys had live instrumentation aretha franklin is in the intro mm -hmm. in, in the interview like just talk about that album right there okay so what a lot of people don't know is that that album was two done for two years mm. and it sat because 
powers that be tried to tell me how to do R&B as right. if I hadn't already been doing it for years. And the, uh, uh, the powers that be were was pretty much probably in middle school when I started. So um, when we did Gotta Go, Gotta Go was done when Alicia Keys, You Don't Know My Name, was done. Wow. And so it had already been ten, two years that had passed. So by the time Gotta Go came out, Gotta Go sounded a little dated because the sample stuff wasn't being used as much at that time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So Trey's album sounded a little skewed dated. And it wasn't dated when we did it. But because right. it sat, it came out and it sounded a little more mature. Mm -hmm. so, now, yeah. let me ask you, with that debut album, I feel like Trey, because at that time, that's when Chris came out, Omarion mm -hmm. solo album. Trey's album is way more mature. It's almost like an Urban AC album at that point. Was that intentional? No, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh. <laughs> it, had it come out two years when it's supposed to come out, it would have been current. But mm. when it came out two years later, that sound was old. Right. Um, mm. okay. gotcha. so, so we were dated kind of. And so it kind of skewed. The, the, style has, the, the style of music had changed. So right. we kind of got caught in the middle. And it kind of like made it look like, and then at that time, everyone was like, oh, Troy's going to ruin that boy's career. Troy's older. He's got that guy, he got that kid sounding old. And they're like, no, no, it wasn't old when we did it. So, you know, but it all worked out. Yeah. Because I feel like that album sort of laid the foundation for Trey, especially with Aretha's co-sign on that album. I felt like that was well, a see, great the move. thing is, is that now, see, that's the funny thing. Aretha co-signed and made it sound even older. Right, yep. So it was like, True. on one hand, that's dope. On the other hand, Aretha? <laughs> <laughs> Grandma? You know what I mean? So, yep. so you know, it's classic now. But yep. then it was like, Aretha Franklin, Troy? Seriously? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right. So then we go into trade A, Nokia is a part of this one. You guys work on this one. This one has Trey sounding a little younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to, with this one. We had to digress, if you will. Right. Uh, just talk about the approach with this one. This one, I feel like, is a lot more commercially driven than than the debut. You guys came out with some hits on it. But, you know, just talk about that album. Well, um, you know, we, we, we had to choose an A&R that the president was comfortable with us using so it was either jojo brim or nokio and we chose nokio because i chose nokio because he was the you know a producer and he was you know he knows about singing and harmonies and all that stuff and the experience of making an album so i chose him for that reason um but we knew we had to get trey in the mainstream you know um yeah. and then you know jante coming with can't help but wait and b cox coming with last time and I, you know, I had known B. Koch since he was 18. So mm. his piano, his piano was his signature. So he was yeah. playing me all these new, his new vibe that he was on. And I'm like, B. Cox, I need B. Cox. He was playing all these tracks. And I'm like, dude, no, I want signature B. Cox. When he right. played that last time track. I was done. That was like, that's it. Period. The end. Right to that one. Right. So. That's what they ended up doing. And to this day, man, last time is like one of my favorite 
not only my one of my favorite Beacox records, but one of my favorite Trey Songz records. Right. And you know what? I'm going to say this because I've been, I've been thinking this since I was like 16 years old. And I think my mindset has kind of shifted since then. But the song Wonder Woman, I was so mad at the time that, you know, the label pulled the plug early on that one. First of all, but, yeah. Trey, <laughs> to this day, Trey is one of the coldest rappers. Now, I get mm-hmm. people don't want to hear that. I get it. Yeah. I understand. But when it comes to freestyling and just rapping, like, and even making songs, he's really, really, really dope. And he wanted to do what ended up being done now, rap and sing, because he could. And yeah. Chris, Chris took advantage of it, and Chris made it. You know, he won with it. But Trey wanted to do that way beforehand. And mm-hmm. Atlanta just didn't give him a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I was so mad. But, you know, I, I think it ended up working out. That he, you guys got two hits off that album. And mm-hmm. then Ready comes. But before Ready is Anticipation, which, you know, for the listeners out there, that's available for streaming now. Yes. And like Please I said, that is, that's one of those moments in R&B. When we look back, that was such a groundbreaking moment for the genre. The label obviously wasn't very happy that you guys were putting out free material, but when we look back at that body of work, because that, to me, it wasn't even a mixtape. It was an actual album. Yeah, we just said mixtape for the label to not freak out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> take, me, take, take me through the approach with that album right there, because I feel like that is what you wanted to do with Trey all along. Yeah, exactly. And so this yeah. time, it was like one of those, you know, uh, Trey Day had made it just barely and so it was yeah. like if you don't do good on this third album they're gonna drop them so i felt like well shoot if they're gonna drop them i might as well do it the way i want to do it period mm-hmm. and so that way we we do it the way we want to do it if it gets if he dropped gets dropped at least we know we had it control we controlled it this time yeah. so um we had been trey had been you know we were in the house and out here in atlanta and delante's house in his basement and we had been working on a few songs and it started to have a sound. And so we knew it wasn't commercial, but we knew it was dope. So we just came up with this concept, me, Trey, Delante, Bob Fish, we came up with the concept of just putting out a mixtape. Um, and at that time it wasn't popular for mixtapes to come out, you know, um, for an R&B artist. So we just approached it like I mixed it. So we didn't use an engineer, a fancy engineer or nothing. Um, a friend of mine who used to actually work with me when I was with the characters in my, my first company, uh, he owned a mastering company, so he mastered it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just put it out. And Atlantic was right. so pissed. They was really, really pissed. They didn't get it. <laughs> they didn't understand. We made it a download for all the fans. Um, and then uh, people started saying, like, is this the album? I'm like, nah, it's not the album. And right. so what they didn't understand was is that when you're making an album, it's a game. Mm. And you have to play the game. So we want a good music, but we also want singles. And we want to be in a club. And we want to be mainstream. So you're not doing albums and mu- making music for yourself. And if you are making music for yourself, consider this. You're not going to buy 500000 to make yourself gold. And you're not mm. going to buy a million to make yourself platinum. And you're not even going to go over there and put press play on your computer but Spotify and let it just like replay and play and play a billion times so that you can get streams. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So right. who's it really for? It's for the people. Mm-hmm. So right. we knew that we couldn't take the anticipation pr- approach for ready 
anticipation was, you know, us getting our creative juices flowing and getting it out of our system. But then we had to come back to ready to say, okay, we need radio hits like okay. straight up. So we knew we had to do that. I think one of the secrets in um, the secret success and uh, one of the secrets to, to the success of ready is the sequencing. Yeah. The sequencing, you know, I was going through a divorce at the time, so I had nothing else to pour into but that album. And right. it was like, that was the only thing that would keep me from thinking about what I was going through. So right. the sequencing, I've, I've been doing sequencing since I was a kid in high school, making my, my ballad mixtapes for when I get with chicks. And the songs had to be perfect going into each other because then I had plans on things I was going to do when it was... I was a little fresh kid, but you know. Anyway, um, I, I had been practicing my um, sequencing then. So by the time mm -hmm. it came down to ready, I already knew how everything was supposed to flow. And by right. then, there used to be a thing where if you had too many songs on the album, the, it, it takes the points off. Blah blah blah. blah. And so we had went away over our 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 um, thing. And so this that's why we used only half of Panty Dropper as the intro because mm. if we couldn't use the whole song right yeah that's crazy and you know when i listened to I, I actually just listened to anticipation earlier in the week and i forgot about that bridge on famous Woo! yeah it makes, yeah, me, it makes me miss bridges man <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, now i'm bringing them back yeah i know you are <laughs> i'm bringing them back for sure yeah I think one of the underrated aspects of that anticipation and ready era, and I think you guys were ahead of your time, was the utilization of Ustream. You guys really built up a fan base by using Ustream. Mm -hmm. Troy Taylor University was on there. Just talk about that a little bit and how that kind of helped you guys. So the Ustream, of course, was Trey and his Trey Angels, and he would do yeah. Ustream. And so sometimes he would, when he would go off, they, they would be like, dang. So then I would go on just to keep it going. And so it became, I, I, I became, uh, it became my own thing outside of Trey's thing. So if Trey didn't go live, I would go live. Or mm. if he went live, I would go live after just to, you know, keep it going. So it turned into a thing, whereas that whole Troy Taylor University was not actually my idea. It was them who started mm. saying we're students. They started calling themselves students. Um, and they came up with this whole, you know, TTU, Troy Taylor University. And I, I was like, it was funny to me. I was like, uh, ha, 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 ha. But then after <laughs> a while, it became like a real thing, like a thing thing. Right. That's crazy. And, and one of the cool things that you've been doing on Instagram and what you did back in the day on Ustream is you're, you're playing the acapellas of these Trey records that you've done. And, you know, I, t I texted you the other day. I was like, I didn't know how much detail went into these acapellas. And and you might not even hear a lot of this on the music. The yeah, track. yeah. Like so, why put so much effort into the acapella if we're not going to be able to hear it? Well, at the time that we were making the "Gotta Make It," the powers that be yeah. said that we were doing too much harmonies. Mm -hmm. and it was too much, and so yeah. we started. Sorry, somebody called me. Still doing but them, but tucking them down. And so it's yeah. there, and you can hear it, but you don't hear the total intricacies of it. Yeah. yeah. So the next album is Passion, Pain, and Pleasure. And this was such a great continuation of Ready. You brought it up to another level. 
Red Lipstick is another one that I feel like, man, at that time, there was nothing else like it at that time. Just take me through the approach with that album. Um, so Passion, Pain, and Pleasure, of course, the feedback, the feed off of Ready, um, we kind of, if you listen to Passion, Pain, and Pleasure, it kind of has the tones of anticipation a little bit because it gets a little darker and moody with massage yeah. and, and all that. So we kind of like wanted to do that. You know what I mean? Add the vibe of anticipation, but the hits of, you know, the hit mainstream records of Ready. And so that's that gives you um, Can't Be Friends. It gives you Bottoms Up. It gives you Love Faces. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So we were able to keep the massage alone, red lipstick, uh, um, what is it? Uh, we need to be, to be bond again together. What is it? Made to be together. Um, yeah. Please return my call. We were able to, you know, mix those up with that. What was the mix? Yeah, with the along with the interludes. Yeah. And then after that, a couple more albums with Trey, and you guys are doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And when you look back now at just the beginning of Trey's songs up until now, and you're working on the new album as well, like how proud are you, not only of Trey to make it this far, but of yourself right, being able to find the talent to develop it and turn it into a superstar. Um, it's very, it's it definitely is rewarding. It's definitely better to me. It's better than just having a bunch of hits on different people. To have something that you start from super scratch. Because when I met Trey, he had never recorded before. He had never. Um, he was a rapper. He wanted to sing, and he didn't know anything about it. So to see mm -hmm. it from that point to now, it's pretty cool. Like, it's really, really, really cool. And it makes me feel like, you know, like, wow, I think I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Because sometimes I'd be like, eh, maybe it's your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. This is how news go. Right. <laughs> so I battle, like, Tussle, Russell. Yeah. Love it. So let's fast forward 2019, 2020. You're working with new acts, Jacquees, OK Osiris, YK Osiris, mm -hmm. these new guys, you know, us as old heads. We're not familiar with these artists, but you really wanted to put your stamp on this new generation. And that and that brings me to mayor of R&B. So I elected yeah. myself as mayor to uh, insert myself into the generation of now to add a little bit to what they're doing because I don't want to come in as an old head like I'm angry and saying oh y'all don't know what y'all doing that's not true right. I just want to show them how they can go you know push it a little bit and add a little bit more flavor to it and put some harmonies in there and, and put some bridges in there to their music you know what I mean not right. so I'm not I'm not totally like shunning their music I'm just adding to it yeah and you know, one of the records that did come out recently is that nasty record with Lil Duval, Jacquees and Tank. And, you know, on the site, we always talk about how, like, that sound, that sound just sounds like something that came out of the 90s, but it's so fresh. Yeah. I don't know what you did with the production, but we hear harmonies, we hear all of that. Just take me through, you know, your approach in 2020 with this type of music. So that, that record was done in 2018, and it was really kind of slated for Trey. So I played it for Trey, and Trey, first thing Trey said was like, yo, man, that'd be dope for Jacquees. I was like, really? He said, yeah, you should play it for oh. me. So I played it for Jacquees, um, but Jacquees was, you know, just doing Jacquees things, and we never got to it. Um, I was vocal producing Lil Duval on something. I was asked to help him 
vocal produced him on uh, something that he was doing. And then he, after he finished it, he was like, man, so what you got? Like, play me something. And I'm like, mm, okay. So I played him nasty and he went crazy. Like he was like, wow. man. And so he actually, like, actually was like, man, you should do it. Like, <laughs> and he did it. He did a very good job. And then later on, he was like, yo, we get Jacquees on it. That would be dope. And then it was supposed to be Jacquees and Jamie Foxx. But wow. Tank, Duval was, uh, I think Jamie was busy. And Duval was around Tank at the time and played it for Tank. And so mm. it was like, what if we get Tank? And I'm like, okay. So I made the bridge have the piano. But the piano was supposed to be for Jamie. You know, the right. way the bridge comes out of nowhere. Um, but because Tank plays too, it, it was it was perfect for him as well. Mm, love it. Another record that you put out recently, I want to highlight this one because this song right here is one of our favorites of the year, the Drew Hill record, What You Need. And like, again, you got every member to sing on that record. They Not sound only. great. The harmonies insane. And then they go through their little personal problems and screw it up. <laughs> ah, I worked two years on that album. Two years. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some really good records. I probably should give them to KC. Hey, that wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> if they hear that, be like, oh, word, Troy, that's what are we doing? Right. Emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, you know, of course, you're working with with Trey as well. He just dropped a new record with Summer Walker. I know there's more to come for that project. Talk about the work that you're doing with Trey. Anticipation, the mixtapes are out now. So I think a lot of people are searching for that sound. Is that what we're going to hear on this? Yep. <laughs> we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back to, yeah. this, to, to having fun. A lot of people don't know that a lot of the songs that we did uh, were jokes, not jokes, but like him acting silly. Right. Like, Neighbors know my name. Love faces. It was just him acting silly. Even gotta go, gotta go was you know him just acting silly. Um, right. And that's how we got a lot of our good stuff by laughing and and just playing around. And he would say something because he's freestyling, and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm keeping that. Dive in, dive in was something he was playing around with, and I'm like, no, right. no, bring that dive in back because he had sang it one time, and. Right. You know, so a lot of that, we got back to that. We got back to having yeah. fun, got back to him sending the session to me and me doing background vocals and sending it back to him. And right. so that's what makes this, this eighth album special to me is because we bringing it back. Right. Can't wait for that one. And lastly, Troy, we got to talk about here, the pen point guard. Mm -hmm. This guy is making some serious noise. Just talk about the work that he's doing because we know him. As a great songwriter. Right. And now he's on the country charts. He's killing it over there. What's going on over there? So um, he came and asked me if he could put the song out. And they had just done it here at the studio and they had did it. And he was excited about it. And he came and asked me if he could put it out. And I told him, sure. You know, like, you know, but we didn't know. We didn't know <laughs> was going to do that. <laughs> Nobody knew. Um but it it just went crazy and it it definitely got a lot of people's attention and got him yeah. to get a major record deal off of it um yeah. and so now uh he's brilliant right <laughs> Period. the end and right. it's it's crazy it's doing crazy and it's yeah. my first actually it's my first viral record wow that's insane mhm mm 
now this Breland project that you guys are working on together, because that guy has so many different palettes, so many different colors that he can bring to the table. Right now he's doing some of that country trap stuff, but he could easily turn it around and do a traditional R&B record and kill it there. Like, how are you guys approaching this project? Well, I am personally not involved. Okay. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, cool. But I, I mean, I definitely wish the best for him. I'm sure that he's gonna, he's gonna, whatever he, whatever they decide to do, he's gonna kill it. Right, love it. So Troy, we're almost out of time here. Talk about what you're working on right now. Of course, you uh, did some work on Jonte's latest EP, mm -hmm. the Quarantine EP. We love that. What else is going on? Working on uh, the development of Devon Culture, aka mm -hmm. Young Maxwell, um, Edward Beck. I'm probably working on changing his name though, because Edward Beck is his name. But I think I can come up with something better. Um, right. But he's more like a mainstream, uh, urban mainstream. Devin is definitely uh, mainstream soul. Um, and we have a Nigo, Nigo Sane. He's okay. like a character. He's really funny, like a funny, right. talented kid. So these are okay. little little babies in the incubation stage. Um, and I'm really excited. If you follow me at Troy Taylor TTU, as you know as you uh, hopefully are, uh, you'll start seeing, I'm starting to start show a little bit more of what I've been doing. And I'm going to start going back to live having TTU classes as well. Nice, nice. And then here's one last question for you, just for a lot of up and coming producers who are frustrated, or maybe they're, you know, they're just waiting for their turn. And you've seen the ups and the downs of R&B throughout your 30 years in the industry. Um, you know, how do you kind of, stay excited and stay motivated and, you know, continue to work when times are tough. Like I remember when Trey was doing his thing and he was killing it. He was like the only artist at that time that didn't jump on that EDM bandwagon, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I'd say this, if anybody has to coach you, push you, inspire you to do what you say you love, then maybe mm -hmm. you don't love it as much as you think you do. Hmm. Whatever gets you That's started possible. into it, whatever got you started into being what, doing what you want to do, why can't you go back to that same thing? And for me, it's high school. All the music I listened to in high school is what gets me riled back up. So whenever I get like, oh, what do I want to do? I just go, you know, if I drive to the store or whatever, I just play my high school stuff. And it, gets mm. me, it brings me right back every single time because the music reminds me of why I said, you know, I wanted to do it in the first place. So I'm now, you know, I'm back. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Well, Troy, we're out of time here, but is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, no. Stay safe cool. out there. Don't believe them. Take your time. You know, don't rush. Cover yourself up and just ease back into this thing. Just ease back. You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't just go out, go crazy. So they ain't got no vaccine yet. And yeah, even if they do, don't take it. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Troy, thank you for your contributions to R&B for 30 years now. Still killing it. And, you know, whatever you have coming up, we're going to support it. So just keep us in the loop. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care. You too.